say in the industry what's up thanks for listening to the life in paradise podcast my name's brandon hopper and it's november 1st 2020 yesterday was halloween one of my favorite days of the year but we'll get into that you've uh found my weekly podcast sometimes it's every other week but most of the time it's every week really doesn't have anything to do with living in paradise anymore, although it used to. Now, I kind of say that it's your responsibility to make your own paradise. No one's going to do it for you. I come here once a week to unload things that are on my chest and on my brain. And I have an outlet to put my thoughts out there. One thing you'll learn is that I don't have a pre-recorded intro. Sometimes I cough. Sometimes you hear the dogs bark. That's just how it goes. Got some good things to talk about this week. It's the last podcast before the election, which is day after tomorrow. I don't need to tell you that. You already knew that. You already went and voted, I hope. Actually, well, I'm not going to get into this yet. This is still the intro that I record every day before the show. So thanks for listening. Sit back, relax, enjoy the flight, and hand over the yoke to me for about the next 30 <laughs> For 45 minutes. Hit it. I can't believe it. I can't. It's here. The election is upon us. Oh, Donald Trump still out there standing on the stump, telling it like it is, trying to win voters. I mean, I think the voters have already made up their mind at this point. I don't know if it's just tradition, but they, he's going to campaign up until the last minute. Biden, not so much. He is, um, how you say... Hiding. <laughs> no, he's not. He's actually come out and he's done some some events. And um, I heard some commentary. I guess I guess what he does is he like puts his little stage out there, and then he has everyone drive up in their cars so that you know they don't get out and spread the the COVID and kill everyone, and everyone dies and dies in the streets and all that. So he has everyone pull up in their cars, and, he, and I don't know what it is about him, but his Speeches, he's just, all of a sudden he sounds very mad. He sounds very angry in his speeches. But when he says something, and then st- instead of clapping, they all honk their horns. 
And when I first saw this, I thought, what is going on? But they're honking their horns to, to signify clapping. I guess this is the new, the new normal of, right, of clapping is honking <laughs> your horn. Oh, man, I'm making myself laugh picturing this video. So there was this, the scene from a, a rally, and this guy's narrating. I don't know if he was walking by or what, and he was like, man, all these dudes over here honking like they have been a traffic jam. <laughs> He didn't know what was going on. He figured it all out on the video. It was hilarious. I also heard a recent clip of um, some some Trump supporters followed Biden to one of his rallies, and they they parked off site. And I guess this particular rally, they they allowed like fifteen or twenty people to come in, and there was no cars. But they were off to the side, all just honking their horns, and it worked. Bo Biden up into a tizzy. He snapped at him and said something. I don't remember what, but. I mean, this this has gotten so entertaining. I don't know what we're going to do when this all ends. I mean, Biden hopefully is going to go back to the home and watching the pigeons and eating applesauce. But, man, without him, I don't know what, what we're going to talk about. I mean, this is assuming Trump wins, which I still am willing to bet anyone, if you like to bet me, still got my money on Trump. Uh, don't really care what the polls say. Hey, you know what? I could be wrong. I, I very well could be wrong, and I understand that. But most people, even if they feel right, they won't bet. They won't put their money where their mouth is. So I'm a fan of gambling. I, re- I really am because it like, oh, yeah, you have confidence? How much confidence do you have? Well, no, I don't have that much confidence, but he's going to win. Well, then you don't have – you have zero confidence. So, yeah, we'll see. I think it's going to be a landslide. I think tr- Trump will win by over 300 uh, – Electoral college votes. But it's funny because some Biden people have the exact same confidence. And that's what makes the world go round, man. I don't hate them. I'm not mad at them. I'll gamble. I'll talk trash the whole time. And then whether I lose or win, I'll shake hands and we'll be friends again. And that's it. I don't know why people get so emotionally invested in these politicians who don't give a damn about you. I know no one wants to hear it, but they really don't. They don't care about people. They care about getting reelected. That's it. I say it over and over and over again. But that's really how I feel. Yes, that includes Biden. Yes, that includes the the poverty-strucken people that he goes out to and pretends that he worked at some swimming pool as a lifeguard 30 years ago during racial injustice times. And no, it doesn't matter. He does not care. He doesn't. He may pretend that he does. It's like I've always said, if people care, they do not have to tell you. You'll know. One thing that I thought that uh, Trump did that was brilliant at his rallies over the last probably 10 days is that he's, he's been hauling around or moving around or buying whatever, these giant TV screens and these elaborate audio systems, and he puts them on stage at his rallies knowing well, let me back up. So he puts him on stage at these rallies, and he shows like all these Biden smear campaign videos, and it's got all these clips of Biden, you know, not being able to put his sentences together and trying to figure out where he is and doesn't know what day it is, and all the stuff that the Biden supporters pretend like doesn't matter. But so he 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 shows all these on the screens. Well, he knows. Oh, let me let's not forget about the. Um, all the legal stuff with Hunter Biden and uh, the Ukraine and all that stuff. So he shows these smear videos 
And he knows that he's going to be covered by the mainstream media. He knows that CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, ABC, CBS, NBC, they're all going to show snippets of these videos. And so by default, they're playing in the background. And, and Trump knows that, that they're going to air him, his rally. And by default, those, <laughs> those videos are going to come over the screen, too. And I thought that was like, man, this just shows what he's done, right? I mean, a political leader? No. I mean, he's not. I don't think he is. I think he surrounded himself with people. The policy that he's done has been conservative, and I approve of it. But he's a branding artist. Like, he knows how to build a brand and get people to follow him. If he didn't, you wouldn't see trucks driving around with flags. I mean, the support that he's gotten is crazy. And... While I'd love to say it's all from his policy, I don't think it is. I think it's a combination of things. Most of it is that he knows how to manipulate the media to get coverage. He knows how to build a brand, even though he's not like, you look, he said like nine failed businesses. And some people say, well, you've got nine failed businesses. You're not a businessman. Well, a true entrepreneur, a guy who likes to gamble and throw darts, he's starting a company a year, you know? And yes, some of them fail. I'm not defending Trump. I'm just saying that like, there's certain things like that that you can't use to say that he's not a good business person. But no matter what, I mean, there's no denying that he built a brand. And that's what's going to get him reelected. And Biden did not build a brand. Uh, he, tried, he tried so hard, but he uh, just couldn't, couldn't pull it off. You know, the main thing he's running on is I'm not him. I'm not Trump. You know, neither one of these guys have put out their second or their policy for their terms. Like, what are you going to do? Biden, all he wants to do, he's talking about raising taxes on the rich. First, he said scale back petroleum industry. Then he said he didn't say that. So there's two things there. Trump has not said one thing that he wants to do in his second term. And to me, I don't know why. I don't. It doesn't make sense. But I'm not a politician. I don't exist to get votes. I don't exist to win elections, so maybe it's over my head. I just thought it was strange that Trump made no promises. Speaking of promises, I know I've talked about Rocky the Kitchen Ninja a few times on here. If you missed those episodes, you'll have to go back and listen. But a quick debriefing. At the brewery, newasisbrewing.com, we uh, converted an old closet into a kitchen so we could cook and sell barbecue to stay open during COVID. And so we recruited Rocky, the kitchen ninja to be our kitchen chief. And Rocky is great. Most of the time she treats that kitchen like she owns everything in it, which I'm very appreciative of. And I told the story last week about me and Kale getting in there, getting ourselves into a bind, realizing we had absolutely no business being in a kitchen and so that made me just have more respect for old Rocky. And I talked her into coming back um, on a day that she was off so that I didn't have to be back in the kitchen again. And so she did, and I, she had a doctor's appointment that she had to reschedule, and I had to pay her the cancellation fee for that. And I gave her another extra 100 bucks for a tip, and then I told her that I was going to buy her a TV for the kitchen. And then I, what else did I do? Um, she got a raise, and... There was something else. Oh, she said she wanted a chef's coat, like the professional shirts that chefs wear. So I got her those. I got her logos put on them. I got her names put on them. 
<laughs> I say, okay, I got to stop pampering Rocky. But then I was like, why? Like, you know, companies get so caught up in like what they think things cost and, and the value of them and what it's going to do for the business. And I just got to thinking like the TV that I ordered for Rocky to put in the kitchen was like $130. I mean, that's, yes, that's a decent amount of money, but for the amount of money that comes and goes through the brewery, it's not all that significant. But to Rocky, man, I just, I know how proud she is. Like she feels like, man, we got her back. She's got our back. And it's true. We really do. So her feelings are legitimate. You know, it's not like we just buy her this stuff to try to win her happiness. You know, it's a mutually beneficial relationship. But I feel like employers many times overlook the the real cost to keeping employees happy. I remember I took a um, a course through a business that I used to work for. I was like a, you know, like a leadership course or, you know, how to, how to be a good boss, basically. This company, David Weekly Homes, they were very touchy-feely. Um, they wanted everyone to feel good, which they kind of went overboard with their silliness, but I picked up a lot of good stuff from it. There was a guy that conducted one of these sessions, and he said, you know, you got to be the boss to figure every single person out, and you got to figure out what makes them tick, and you got to use that to motivate them. He said, because if you get called to move to some podunk town, you want all these people lined up to come with you. Because if you can keep the cream of the crop wherever you go, you'll just keep moving up. And I really took that to heart. And and it it makes me feel good, too, to do something for an employee that is trying. And I, and I feel like, yeah, they're trying for the company. But in this particular case, like me and Kale, we are the company. So they're, they're really trying hard for me. And the least I can do is reward them back because just like in a lot of relationships that fail, um, one person or the other just didn't feel appreciated. And I really think the same happens with employees. They just get to the point where they feel like that they're overworked, underpaid, underappreciated. And then that's when they go look for new work. So I try to make it a point to make sure people don't feel that way. Unless of course they're not appreciated at which point we will ask them to seek excellence elsewhere. But don't get me wrong, this thing has backfired on me before. When I uh, had Texas Foundations, the concrete paving company, I would um, I would bring the guys Cokes, you know, every now and then, bring them a, a case of Cokes or a case of beer if it's a Friday afternoon. And then they started expecting it. And so every time I showed up on the job site, before I could even get my truck door open, I can hear them all yelling, Hey, cocas! Hey, Brando, ¿dónde están las cocas? Tráete las cocas! Tráete las donuts! I brought them donuts one time. <laughs> Every single time for like five years after that, the same crew. Hey, tráete las donuts! <laughs> I was like, no. No more donuts. No more cocas. We're done. You guys got one shot, and now you're not getting it because you just expect it every time. I mean, I caved every now and then, but... It's, it's just a cultural difference, you know, I guess, that um, it's okay to ask for things once they've been given to you once, over and over and over and over again. I'm like, what, am, what do I look like, guy? Just a coca delivery guy, you know? I mean, your paychecks aren't good enough? I don't know. You know something else I don't know? Why do we, why do we still have the time change? Like, what, what are we doing? Why, why are we doing this? I mean, this is just one of those things 
that we just do it, and nobody knows why. We, we used to need it. Okay, we don't. Let's change it. Let's get with the rest of the world and stop doing it. I mean, it's absurd that we have some states that recognize it and some states don't. Some countries do and some countries don't. It makes tr- air travel ridiculous. I mean, we just, I don't understand what the big deal is. We don't, we don't need any laws of Congress. We don't need that. We don't need any policy. We just need to all agree. Someone needs to make a Facebook page or an Instagram movement. Stop moving the freaking clocks around. It does no one any good. Who likes it? I don't. Sure, you may like David like savings time more, or you might like regular central time. What is it called? Standard time more. But you don't like the changing of the two. Maybe it's because no one can agree which clock would go with. Maybe we, we split them down the middle. Go right in the middle. I say that because the clocks just changed, and it's like four twenty, and I feel like it's about to start getting dark. Man, I can't imagine. It confuses me this much. I can't imagine what it does to old Biden. Going back to my Rocky example, you know, I don't um I don't know why, but people think, and I've I've gotten this mainly from liberals or people who tend to be left leaning in their policy, is that they just assume that that a capitalistic person a person who thrives in capitalism and likes free markets and enjoys that um, that markets can sort things out without government intervention. And so someone who is, a, is an advocate of capitalism is automatically not generous. So I don't like that. I don't like the fact that, like, you're just going to assume that because I think the free flow of capital is good – and I think that the free flow of capital helps the most people and it gets things done the most efficiently. Because I think that, I'm not generous. Do you see how people will push us into a, into a party affiliation or, or lump us into these groups? I don't think the answer is a multiple party system, more than two. I'm going to probably get into that in my next episode. But it's really annoying to see people who, first off, you know, often boast about you know being accepting of others and open to new ideas and open-minded, take take this example and go against everything they claim to stand for. Well, you claim to stand for open-mindedness and not judging and not p- putting people into groups, but um, you're going to assume that capitalists are greedy. I poked around online. Who knows what statistics you can trust anymore? Who knows what's real? But everything that I saw said Republicans tend to give more away to charities than Democrats. And I know, I, you don't even have to say it. Yeah, but they're just giving money away for a tax write-off. Or they're just giving money um, to their friends in politics. Okay, if you want to apply that to everyone, go for it. The fact of the matter is, they should not be grouped together. And I feel like the the Rocky example is a perfect thing. Like, I'm not one to sit here and boast about things that I've done to help people. I don't like that. It's gross. I don't like other people doing it. I don't even like people doing it to prove a point. 
But if you just look at the Rocky example, here I am saying like, this is what we need to do. We need to keep our employees happy. It works out best for everyone in the long run. They love us. We love them. It works out favorable for everyone. And then I got someone in my ear screaming, telling me, and I, and I know that, you know, you probably don't know the story or the person or whatever, but I have a friend of mine who's telling me, who's very, very liberal, telling me that capitalists are greedy. And I'm just like, why are you drawing that conclusion? You know, you know what capitalists don't like? You know what we don't want? We don't want to hand $100 to the government and then let the government disperse 60 how they see fit because they're so inefficient. Because they take the money in, then they got to fund everything. They got to fund the paper that they use for the printers, and they got to pay the ladies to process all the paperwork. They got to pay the guys to process all the paperwork. And now all that costs money. So then what's left? A percentage of it that gets distributed based on how some person feels like it should. That's just whack. That's so whack to me. And the fact that people want to move towards that type of system away from the system that we were founded on really, really bothers me. I don't know what I would do if I woke up one morning and there was a socialist party in the White House. I probably would not be here for long because it's like I always say, capitalism doesn't work for people who don't want to work or participate in it. And that's why people don't like it. They don't like the fact that some plant worker, you know, can work 90 hours a week and make 200 grand a year. They don't like that because they can't do that or they're not willing to. So it's not fair. And if they do do that, if they do work 90 hours a week and make 200 grand, then they should give a big chunk of it back because they made a lot of money. Like, no consideration was ever taken into how hard did this person work? What did this person put up for risk? Well, you know, it's just like Biden's new. Well, anyone who makes over 400000 is going to get taxed at 39%. Why? You don't know what they risk for that. They could have risked a million and a half to win 400000 And you want to take 40% of that? Come on, man. You know, the, the generalizing thing also applies to... I had, had an interaction this week, and the person used the term anti-maskers. And this person is a very liberal-minded person. They subscribe to liberal ideologies. They're very leftist in their voting. They like all things left. And I saw this reference to the word anti-maskers. And I thought, man, you know, for this, the, the left who, like, they live on accepting everyone and not generalizing and not shoving people into a box. So... Let's just, let's dissect that word anti-maskers. It's very, very difficult. And it's and by nature, it forces you to put people into a box. I don't like it. Because if you take the word anti-maskers, people who are against masks, okay, what does that mean? What does that mean? Because when we're talking about COVID and we're talking about things people want to do to change it. You have one guy who is not willing to do absolutely anything. He's not wearing a mask. He's not going anywhere that has to wear a mask. If he absolutely has to wear a mask, it's going to be hanging off of his chin. He doesn't care what anyone thinks. That's it. It's his world. And then you have the person who's like, they stay barricaded in their house. They have the mask. They have the face shield. They have the gloves. They have everything they want to. Okay? So you have those two people, the two sides of the spectrum. Then you have everyone in between those people. 
So at what point in there do you draw the line and say, well, this is, person is an anti-masker and this person is not an anti-masker? You can't. You cannot draw that line. Because different people are against masks for different reasons. Some people think they don't work. Some people hate the way they feel. Some people get a rash on their chin. Some people don't do it because they don't like the government control. Others don't do it because they don't want to look like a dang Muslim. Okay, so if we're not going to use that type of rhetoric to describe everything and everyone, which we shouldn't, let's not use it to describe people that subscribe to a different philosophy. It's pious. It's pious and it's kind of ridiculous. And that's all I'm going to say about that. And I know what you might be thinking right about now. You might be thinking, like, dude, we didn't come here to hear you talk about masks and Biden and politics. And, and although those are topics, I hope you can see that I'm diving a little bit in, into that or past that and just dissecting behavior of humans. And sure, I put my spin of comedy on things and, and you know where I stand and you know how I feel. That doesn't mean that I hate the people who are opposite. You know, this whole thing about blaming the president for our division in our country. Well, let me back up a little bit. My whole point of that last paragraph before I spun off into my own land um, was that it may seem very like political and COVID centric, but try to try to dig past that. And it's mainly, in my opinion, that's mainly just like the very, very top layer of the umbrella. Like I said, I think after the election, politics will get talked about less. That, that includes me. I've been consuming the heck out of it. I'm not going to lie. Okay, now going, <laughs> going back to politics. No, I'm, I'm kind of kidding. But, you know, everyone wants to blame our president for the division of the country. And a lot of people wanted to blame um, Obama because, you know, the way he spoke was, was very divisive. And, yes, black people can speak with division, too. Contrary to popular belief. And so, personally, I don't think the presidents are to blame for the division that's within our country. It's us. It's the way that we treat each other. It's the way that we respond to one another. And I think it all boils down to social media. I know I've talked about it before, but the way that people interact with each other in social media is not the way that people interact with each other in person. And people aren't addicted to the platform of Facebook. They're addicted to the feeling they get in a Facebook fight. And of course, people like to come and, you know, there's different types of addictions, but one of them, one of them is cat videos. You know, one of them is posting pictures of their own dog. The other one is posting pictures of dogs in funny costumes. And one of them is people addicted to the feeling of Facebook fights with strangers or even friends, people they know. But we should be able to overcome this division. And sure, maybe we have some presidents that speak with more divisive intent, or maybe that's just naturally how they speak. But are we not capable of seeing past that? You know, the presidents, they don't have some magic wand. They can't just make things happen. They don't, they don't turn black people on white people. They don't turn young people on old people. We do that to ourselves. And if you're so... Influenceable? Was that right? Influenceable? Influenceable? If you're so gullible, <laughs> I don't know. If you can't handle someone using divisive rhetoric, 
that that's on you. You're, you're putting too much trust, power, whatever you want to call it, into the person speaking. So, I mean, we should, have, we should be able to have a president that gets up there and says radical things. And we should question him and not blame him when things erupt in the country. I don't think we're there yet. I don't think it's happened. I personally believe that Barack Obama spoke with more divisive rhetoric than Trump. Now, I think Trump voters speak out more about how they feel, and I think that is due to the improvements or changes that have been made in social media between 2016 and now. I also think Trump has struck a chord amongst a lot of people that hadn't been spoken to in a long time, and they have a bunch of pent-up feelings, and they're raring to go. It still doesn't make it right to sit around and type snarky, sarcastic comments to people you don't know. Or people you do know, for that matter. My whole point is that we should choose to be civil enough to not let a political leader create division in our country. I'll tell you what I'm super excited about. <laughs> in, in politics, yeah, of course, yeah, still politics, yeah. Is um, a bunch of Navy SEAL officers and soldiers and leaders enter, entering the political arena. And I know that some people are like, yeah, but they're just going to take us to war and we're going to go back to Iraq and we're going to blow everybody up. I don't think that's the case. What I like about it is that these guys are genuine leaders. And whether or not you think that they are good for the country or promote good policy, you can look at their leadership skills and hopefully you should aspire or you will aspire that more people that that actually lead get into politics because these are the guys that will make decisions for the country over themselves. These are the guys that won't be as influenced by lobbyists. These are the guys that have been through hell. They've been through hell week. That's tough. They've been in fights before their life's been on the line. They've been under immense amounts of pressure and they still lead and they earned it. You know, all these politicians, they didn't earn anything. They got voted. They convinced people to check their name on a ballot. Then I realized that these guys, whenever these guys get voted into office, someone's going to check their name on a ballot. But at least they've made some really good decisions. And they've been put in some really compromised situations leading up to that. And they've proven that, hey, I can make decisions under pressure. And, hey, I haven't been in politics my whole life. I don't owe anyone any favors. You know, that's really what I like is that Trump, when he got into office, he didn't owe anyone any favors. What happened after that has nothing to do with the fact that he didn't owe anyone any favors when he got into office. Well, maybe he did. Maybe like Roger Stone, Paul Manafort, all the guys that he, uh, white, what is it called? Pardoned. Yes, thank you. Pardon. All the guys he pardoned, he owed them some favors. Well, I'm not going to talk about that right now, but the idea of getting people into politics who have true leadership backgrounds excites me. I feel like that's what our forefathers would have wanted. They want people leading the country that are natural leaders that were not just born into royalty. So keep your eye out for a guy named Wesley Hunt. He's running for a congressional seat in Houston against someone by the name of Lizzie Fletcher, also known as abortion Barbie. 
And for my next trick, we're not going to talk about politics. Last night was Halloween, and at the brewery, we had a citywide scavenger hunt. And this is our second one. Last year, we had like maybe six teams enter, maybe seven, and then like four complete, complete it because, you know, it's a list of 40 items. People show up in teams, and you give them a list, and like some of them just don't come back. But yeah, we had 17 teams start and seven teams finish, which it was really fun. Some of the items were uh, bring back a live crustacean, which someone did. They brought back a live shrimp. There was a lot of uh, proposals, like go into a restaurant and propose to a Whataburger employee. Um, there was uh, buy some food and take it to a homeless person. Everyone did that one. There was uh, randomly pay for a stranger's meal. Lots of people did that one. But the one, the one that people did, that two people did, that I did not think would do, was get a tattoo of our logo. And so we had two people on the same team. They were like, yep, we'll do it. And so they went and got New Oasis Brewing Company tattoos on their feet. Not the bottom of their feet, but the top side. And one of the girls, it was her first tattoo ever. And she just happened to have won the scavenger hunt from last year. But the prize is pretty good. The prize is a first, first beer free of the day for a year. And so they were, everyone was highly motivated by that. But it just got me thinking, you know, when I built homes and I was in construction, it was brutal. When I say brutal... The, the conflict that was there between either the homeowner and myself, or if it was concrete we're talking about, the builder and me and the quality and the time and the price, and the, there's always an, a fight, you know? Even with your best customers, you're gonna, you have problems, you know? Construction is man-made, imperfect materials in an imperfect environment, things go wrong. First thing that happens when something goes wrong is who's going to pay for it? You got to argue about it, you got to own it, you got to do it. But regardless, that's um, it's hard on your soul. That's what I used to always say. It's just hard on your soul because you're, you're always fighting about time, quality, or money. Those three. Because if you do something right, you'll know because you didn't get sued. No one griped at you, and you made exactly what you were supposed to make. Then you know you did a great job. So after I started Nika Sail and Surf, uh, the sailing company in Nicaragua, I started that, and I got to see what it was like to operate a business to where people enjoyed their time and they loved it and it gave them satisfaction. And then I kind of told myself, you know what? I'm never going to be involved in a business that doesn't bring someone joy or that they can't get behind the brand and, and feel good about it. And, and I never really thought that until after I went through all the construction woes. And I think I've mentioned it before, but, you know, we have regulars, people that come in every other day, a couple times a week, you know, families. One guy's an older retired guy, comes in every single day and has his two Schwartz beers and he goes home and sometimes he hangs around and talks for a few hours. But seeing those people like really love the brewery and love us and all of our employees and our products and what we stand for. And they 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 come to be part of like a I don't want to say a family, but a, a bigger group. And it really makes me happy to see those people satisfied. 
And so th- that's one of the most rewarding things about the brewery so far is that I didn't, I never expected that, that I would care so much about the people that I see there every day or every other day. And so we had a couple um, who comes a lot and they, they really, you know, during COVID times, you know, it was tough and people would go out of their way to come by and buy beer and buy a barbecue. And I just picture these poor people going home and having like all kinds of leftover barbecue in their fridge and a bunch of full crowlers in their refrigerator. They're just buying more every day trying to help us. And I'm very thankful for that. But one particular family, they came a lot. They love our food. And their son is really cool. It's just, it's two parents and a little son, and he's the only child, and they have an old Labrador. And they asked their son what he wanted to be for, for Halloween. And he was like, I think he's like maybe seven, six, somewhere there. And they asked him what he wanted to be, and he wanted to be a new Asus brewing beer can. So they dressed that little dude up, looked just like a Crowler can. And I thought it was so cool. I was like, man... There's no possible way anyone would have ever dressed up their child to look like a concrete contractor company. And so to me, like, we're not hardly making any money right now. We're looking long term, but it makes it worth it to see the joy. I mean, people went and got tattoos. They got our company tattooed. Their f- I don't even have a tattooed on my body. I, I don't know if I ever will. I, I should set some ridiculous goal that, like, if we ever do more than a million barrels, and I'll get a tattoo. But it just, uh, I don't know. It felt good. It felt good to see people care that much about us, I guess, is where I'm going. All right. I think that's it. Scroll through all my notes. I think I've covered everything. If not, I'll cover it next week. I'm on a roll. I went a week straight. Didn't miss one. (laughs) But I appreciate you listening. For some reason, I haven't had many downloads lately. Maybe because I'm talking too much about politics. I don't know. But I'm not doing this for everyone else. I'm doing it for me. So I do what I want. But I appreciate you listening. Um, Don't judge people, especially if you tell other people not to judge people. Sit back and think before you try to shove people into a box. Take it upon yourself to not be divided by anyone. And just question things. Don't be afraid to question things, even if you agree with them or disagree with them or don't know how you feel. Always dig a little bit deeper. Thanks again for listening. Life in Paradise podcast with me, Brandon Harper. Keep it tranquilo. Love it, man. 25 lighters on my dresser. Yes, sir. I got stuck at payday. We got 25 lighters on the dresser. Yes, sir. Gots to get paid, paid, paid. I got 25 fighters for my 25 foes. About to break the mic, then break 25 more. About to rip the track with about 25 foes. And I'm dipping like a Mac with about 25. 25 five carry diamonds in my brain. 25 12s in the trunk, got to bang. Make moves to make a quick 25 mil. Come up so I can knock off big 99 Seville. Got to take me by 25 yellow bones home. Doing bad to make them 25 phones. I'm a wreck and rip 25 crews with 25 lighters on my dresser, yes sir I got stuck in pay, pay We got 25 lighters on the dresser, yes sir Got stuck in pay, pay
Wakes up early and I yawn to stretch Another day, another dollar, another case to get I take my time and realize that this game is real I got my mind on form, but I'm swinging barber grill Got to act real bad when I close red doors I'm shooting spiders off my rims cause I'm riding on foes And don't understand that we be drinking the norm Never trust broads, Leo fraud On the bar is where I swing, where I claim my name Back in the game, Persia Wood, Texas Street Game it's the ninth day, and I'm jumping in the mist. Rocks up on my wrist and got haters off my list. How you like me now? Cause I'm real. Coming down, peace and chain foes, shiny grills. Got to bring hat, where them boys at? Fresh to break the mic down, it's that fat pad. 25 lighters on my dresser, yes sir. I got to get paid. We got 25 lighters on the dresser, yes sir. Got to get paid. Southside players screw up, click main with the body set. You can bet we smooth as a bit coming through this man. Hold up, it's lit. Some catch me like that, and some.